Hey everybody, I'm Matt Kenyon. You're listening to episode 25 of Composer Code, the podcast all about video game music and the fine folks that make it. I interview composers and arrangers in this case and try to tease out their workflows and proven patterns of success so I can share that knowledge with all of you fine people. The process of arranging music is a delicate balance of keeping what makes a piece great while adapting it to a certain instrumentation or ensemble, and nobody does that better for the piano than this episode's guest, Sydney Kerstad from Smart Game Piano. Sydney is a gifted pianist and a natural teacher. She boasts a massive catalog of hundreds of rearranged video game tunes and YouTube tutorials on how to play them. She's also an entrepreneur, successfully launching Smart Game Piano and now working on it full-time. In our conversation, we discussed Sydney's arrangement process, how she turned her musical passion into a viable business, and some practical self-care tips for creatives. We also discussed the pros and cons of going to music school and what she's learned about business along her journey. Again, I'm Matt, your host, and without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Sydney Kerstad. What is it about video game music specifically that made you want to devote so much of your creative life to it? That's, um, I feel like if you were to ask this question to any other creative person in the video game music world, they'd have a similar response of it's just, it's so attached to, you know, growing up and nostalgia. Um, most of us, um, you know, grew up playing video games and have like a certain series or a certain game that's near and dear to our hearts. And for me, um, I always took piano lessons too, but growing up, they were separate video games are over here and piano is over there. Um, and it wasn't until I played Final Fantasy X, the title opening, uh, the piece to Xanarkand is a piano solo. Um, I think I was 14 at the time, and my brain was like, you can do that. Um, you can do both at the same time. So that's when it kind of triggered for me that um, I can do music and video games. And they were two things that I loved and thought about all the time anyways. So why not just devote my life to it? When I discovered that you can do video game and music at the same time, um, I wanted to become a composer, like, you know, write music for video games. Um, and I'm still pursuing that. I'm still writing for music. Um, so I went to college for music. Then I got my master's at scoring for film and multimedia at NYU. Um, but when I graduated, um, I noticed that, you know, in the educational sphere, when I would like because I also loved YouTube a lot too. I would go to YouTube just to listen to soundtracks and there'd be all these videos of, you know, how to play this and how to play that. I'm like, oh, neat. There's not really a whole lot for video games or, you know, anime music or something like that. And that made me really think like, why is education really only limited to, you know, a certain genre or a certain era of music? And at that point, I'm just like, you know, I'm going to fulfill this gap because there's a huge gap here of nerds that want to learn music, but feel like they're not welcome into the classical music space or even like, unfortunately, like the jazz space or the pop space. It's just sometimes there's just these walls that people can't break through. And I also believe that um, creativity is absolutely vital um, in the information era. We are, as humans, we're constantly bombarded with 
this new show, this new news article, this new thing. And so people become more complacent and become more willing to be consumers rather than creators. And to me, I think that's dangerous. And what better way to help my society by being more creative and, you know, not just consumers and helping them learn an instrument. I remember we had talked about this previously when we were talking at VGM con, you had taught private lessons. And then how did that transition happen where you were like, I can make this a business because obviously the, the skill sets of composition and running a business are very different and, you know, starting your own business can be very scary. So what was kind of the, the path from the private lesson world to doing this full time? So being both online and offline is very, very interconnected. And I liked teaching in the studio better simply because I had some peers to talk about teaching with. Um, and my boss at that time was, you know, also um, a business owner. And he and I would talk shop about like, you know, how are you advertising? How are you, you know, connecting with your audience? Um, what is your mission statement? What is mm-hmm. your aesthetic? And those are things that take a lot of time to think about for and sure you have to be sincere about it because people can smell when you're like you know trying to sell them something so that was hard for me to go from a purely artistic creative space to a more analytical more thinking three steps ahead and you know right. the art's still still so important but how do you keep that art sincere and you know present it to people in a way that's going to be effective and reach as many people as possible. I learned so much better when I have other people involved. So at the beginning, when I started to make smart game piano, um, I needed a business partner. So um, there's someone who's helping me out with like big picture and stuff like that. And eventually our team grew to, um, you know, a customer service and website. So um, I helped build the website just in concept. But um, another team member of ours was the person who like did the building, did the coding. It was very much a collaborative effort, um, very much a, okay, this is where the music's important. Like, and then we'll get the perspective from another person. This is where this marketing perspective is important. Mm -hmm. And then another person would say, this is where the customer service aspect really needs to be present. And so I could not have done all that on my own. There's no way. Um, So I'm very, very grateful for my team members who share these perspectives with me and who are willing to hear my perspectives too on that. There's an ongoing argument, probably as old as time, as far as do you need to go to school to learn composition techniques or to be a composer in the industry? And I'm just curious your take on that. What maybe what you advice you would give your younger self? Maybe you wouldn't change a thing. Um, What would you say in terms of the necessity of schooling? I, as someone who has a a master's degree from NYU Steinhardt, it's Very really prestigious. Right. It's really not necessary. Um, the thing that NYU did best for me was uh, create connections, um, help me learn things that I wouldn't have learned otherwise directly from someone who was in the field. Also, um, student discounts on very, very expensive um, sound libraries. That's right. Nice. You don't think about that on a daily, but that's that's a 
That's a big deal right there. It's a big deal, but also student loans are way more. So you might as well pay oh, full price true. on That them. is true. You got to weigh the costs. Exactly. There are so many wonderful and amazing composers who are so self-taught. And in hindsight, going to NYU was the best thing for me to do simply mm-hmm. because I don't come from a musical family. Um, and so, you know, not not because you know if they weren't helpful they just didn't know how to help like we we don't know what you should do sure. and for me learning everything on my own is harder for me so like as i said before i need people in the room i need other people to learn so it was good for me but there there's internet resources now like there is a great resource um run by dan holzman called video game music academy i don't know if you've heard of it yeah Yeah, Dan's really great. And he's offering a bunch of resources, you know, for people who want to compose in video game music world, and it's online, and it's super affordable. And so I, as much as I hate to say it, like, I would like to see more people, you know, go more that self taught direction on the internet, like, Mm -hmm. universities are great, they offer awesome things don't need them, at least not for music. That is that is a hot take. And I, I love it. Especially as someone who's uneducated, right? You give in music. You've given me uh, given me more hope there. Yeah, no, dude. It's just a piece of paper. <laughs> so I'm curious. Smart game piano. Maybe for those listening who have seen you on Instagram or kind of have have uh, seen some of your tutorials on YouTube. What is smart game piano? Like, if you sign up for the service, is it a membership site? Maybe ex- unpack what it is and and what you get as someone who who's in the smart game piano community. Sure. So Smart Game Piano is basically a resource for you to learn whatever songs you want um, from, you know, nerdy origins, um, video game music, anime music. There's also some Steven Universe in there. And that's a little Um, (laughs) self-indulgent. It is subscription based. So you basically pay um, a monthly fee or a yearly fee. And you have this huge library of easily over 400 songs. It's probably more than that. I lost count. (laughs) And uh, I break it down basically by section by section in digestible chunks um, because nobody wants to watch a three hour long video of how to play one song. And there's also uh, sheet music available. Um, There are also services where um, we can do private lessons and each um, like subscription also comes with, you know, um, entry into a Facebook group where, you know, you can talk to me there or talk to other uh, smartists, what I call them smartest, smart artists. For nice. Smart, you know? I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's so clever um, to <laughs> talk about their own progress and to share what they're learning, because I think what Smart Game Piano does better than other online piano services is community. Um, and I'm really proud of that. This is Sydney from SmartGamePiano.com. Today, we're going to be learning the tune Sweden from Minecraft. First, let's start off by listening to the tune. Four hundred songs, or over four hundred songs. That's a lot. So you're obviously arranging a ton. You're working really hard. You're very prolific. I would love to get a little geeky about arrangement. So... What is your process for arranging all the way from discovering like, wow, this is a great track to actually like shipping it to smart game piano? What what's the process look like in a nutshell for like, let's say let's put Nintendo in a box for like a Nintendo tune. That's really nice and easy because there's 
um, very singable melodies that are more or less doable on the keyboards too. Um, I'll listen to it, and if there aren't any resources to like kind of base it off of, I'm usually transcribing and arranging at the same time. Um, I don't have time to like transcribe a piece as it is and then arrange it. I have to do both at the same time. Like, okay, I hear this melody. What would the left hand be doing in place of, you know, what actually is there? And of course, tunes that are originally written for piano, like, you know, Tuzan or Kind, those are easy. Those are just pretty much straight transcriptions. As you're arranging, you have to make certain decisions, right? So if there's like things that are impossible to play on piano, you have to kind of decide, okay, I I probably need to eliminate some of these things, you know, because it's just not possible or somehow combine them. How do you do that? Like, how do you decide what to scrap in a piece or what to keep? You know, is that again, something that you just kind of depend on your ear? I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about that. Uh, yes, but usually the principle is the two most important things are the melody and the groove. If the melody has to change drastically, then it's not going to be worth changing it so much. Then the left hand better be simple, simple, simple in order to keep the melody as it is. And if my arrangement is somehow breaking a groove at all, then um, that's where I failed too. It's harder for pieces that are, that are, you know, like pop tunes that are mostly driving rhythm where the harmony is stagnant. Like it may stay on like a D minor chord forever, but what makes it cool is, you know, the drum beat. I, I struggle with those so much. It's like, okay, this doesn't work for a solo instrument. How do I make this interesting? It's lovely, isn't it? Now, if you were listening carefully, you may have noticed that the left hand plays the same thing for nearly the entire piece. In music terms, we call this an ostinato, which means it's a bass line that repeats itself through the entire piece, and the melody just kind of sings or dances over it. But when it comes to like, oh man, the example I'm thinking of is like um, Mira Tamata, very layered, beautiful orchestral music with uh, you know some lovely, lovely melodies that are mm-hmm. very layered. Is sometimes you just have to pick and choose what's more more important because um, that soundtrack likes to have like a one riff for the string section and then a melody for the voice and then sometimes they'll pile them on for you know another section and so you just have to decide the melody is most important here in the section that's just what we're going to play what's been the most challenging piece to arrange that you that comes to top of mind for you Oh, man. Um, One of the earlier ones that I had a lot of trouble with um, was Megalovania and like a lot of the other Undertale tunes. Um, That's like so when Undertale came out was like when I like started smart game piano. And back then I was more of, oh, I got to keep it so faithful to the original or the Internet's going to get mad at me. But now I wish I could go back in time and like you need to make this more approachable. You need to make this easier to feel in the hands those were really hard at the beginning so you've talked a lot about the daily five so you talked about that at vgm con and also you you put a video out on it can you talk a little bit about what the daily five is in relation to practice yeah so i totally stole the concept from my sister-in-law who is a second grade teacher up in seattle Um, The daily five refers to five things you need to do every single day to improve your reading comprehension. And I heard that and I'm like, that's 
great. How can I use that in relation to piano? The first thing you should always do when practicing, like your daily number one should always, always, always be a warm up. And however many other things you want to work on, your rhythm, your technique, your performance, your music theory, whatever, there's so much that like, it doesn't have to be five. It could be three. It could be 16, as long as you always warm up and always, always, always end your practice session with self-reflection. What went well? What didn't go well? What did I learn that surprised me? Um, what did I discover that I already knew, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't have to be five, as long as you are coming up with specific things that you want to work on. Um, and not just be like, I'm just going to sit down and practice. Like, okay, what are you going to practice? What are you going to work on? The more uh, involved you are in your practicing, the much better it's going to be. And also, I want to give a plug to the musical dice game, uh, which is so great. Is it, do you is that is that online anywhere where people can check that out? Yes, unfortunately, dice is not downloadable, but That's right. uh, <laughs> the link is smartgamepiano.com slash dice game. It's basically a way if you don't know what to warm up, you roll three dice and that's going to tell you how to warm up. Yep. And you can do it with a random number generator uh, at home and it's super helpful. I found it to be uh, to be very helpful, except I always roll a G flat. I'm convinced <laughs> that that red die is uh is loaded because i always get the g flat and i'm like well this is gonna take up this is gonna take up the whole of my practice time here <laughs> trying to remember what the g flat scale is you're gonna get so oh, good man. at it that's right that's right so i'm curious uh sydney what advice would you give your former self so like if you had to go back to when you started smart game piano what advice would you give yourself and this can be business advice music advice just general advice based on what you've learned up to this point? I would tell myself to work more efficiently. I'm someone that gets so excited about big projects, but then I get um, wound up in the small details, which stops me. Hmm. So I would tell myself, hey, how important actually is that detail? Um, do you want to finish this big project? Do it. So spend your time, you know, not on that and the other things that needs to get done. Um, but also to not be afraid of collaborating with others. Um, I, I, like many, many other people, suffer from imposter syndrome from time to time. It's a lot better now, um, now that I've been doing this for several years. But it's like I would talk to someone about what I'm trying to do. And in the back of my mind, it's like, they know, they know that I'm a fraud. They can tell, they can smell mm. it. And just oh, yeah. tell myself to like, shut it off. It's fine. Um, and that learning that research is good research as much as I can, but don't feel guilty when I'm un unable to research 20 subjects in a day. That's fine. Yeah. Nobody can do that. Do you have any systems or processes that, that help you stay focused and kind of like you said, not, uh, uh, get caught up in the minute details of projects? Yeah, uh, for me, um, I'm always like a planner person. Like I have a written planner as for as long as I can remember. That helps me out. And I like the planners where they're divided by weeks. So like this week, I'm going to work on this. This week, I'm going to work on this. Nice. And recently, more recently, I've had to teach myself that, hey, it's okay if you don't get every single thing done. That just tells myself that I was assigning too much and this is what I need to do in order to spread it out more efficiently so my product could be higher quality. Um, but I've also um, started recently just getting back into Asana. And at first, I think I was just too stubborn to use it. But now I'm just like, this is great. My phone's yelling at me when something's not done. This is awesome. 
what does a day in the life look like for you, like a working day from like the moment you wake up? And like, when do you wake up? Do you have like a morning routine? Like when, you know, cause obviously you're self-employed, you have a business, so you have to kind of dictate your own schedule and make sure you focus. So I'm curious what your routine looks like. On days when I'm not recording, I usually wake up around eight to eight thirty. Um, and I don't always feel hungry in the morning, but I eat regardless, um, just cause I know I'm going to feel hungry later. I usually have my planner or my phone next to me thinking, okay, what am I going to do today? Is it this, 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 and this, can I squeeze this in here? Should I move this tomorrow? Should I move this to next week? And then after that, um, if I need to rush to the office, I'll go straight there. But if I don't have to, I'll spend some time warming up, but on recording days, um, I'm up usually earlier, wake up closer to seven 30, and then I go to the office and just record as much as I can do some warming up, get my fingers warmed up on weekends. I actually do work on weekends, but they're like quarter days. Like I'll do a project that I just didn't get done in time. Mm -hmm. Um, I make sure I, I always exercise. I exercise every day. I either go for a two mile walk or, um, get on the bike for an hour just cause if I don't exercise, I don't sleep super well. So yeah, I mean the relationship between exercise and Sleep as well as exercise and creativity is a fascinating topic for me, especially as someone who's not normally inclined to exercise. Um, But I have I know there's been several books written about just the power of exercise for the creative mind, the power of exercise for clear thinking. Um, So that's just that's very interesting to me and, and, and inspiring for me to, you know exercise. Yeah, no. And everybody needs to exercise. I'm not saying everybody has to like go do deadlifts at the gym or whatever, just get your heart rate up, sweat a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have very, very active parents. And so I saw the value of that when I was a kid. And it's fortunately bled over into my adult life where I like it's a need. It's not like an obligation, like I need to do this or I'm going to not sleep well. And then everything's going to go bad because I need, I really need sleep. I hate the, the culture of hustle 12 hours a day, you know, 15 hours a day, you know, sleep three hours and get up and do it again. It's the only way you're going to be successful, you know, which is popular among some entrepreneurs won't mention any names, but, um, the, I just, uh, yeah, I just, that is not sustainable for me. Like I need eight hours of sleep to be a decent human being and to be creative. So yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, and I, I follow some of those entrepreneurs. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I appreciate hustle, but the hustle should also include, yeah, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to eat a vegetable and I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Like that's what it should. <laughs> right. You know, we need to rebrand hustle as hustling for wellness. Okay. So this is the lightning round. The lightning round is quick gut level answers to these, to these questions. Okay, here we go. Your desert Island album not video game music uh not video game music um probably kikuo's uh miku four i don't know what any of those words mean but i'm gonna trust that that's a real album is that from an anime it's no it's a japanese uh, artist who i am obsessed with i love his stuff so much i'll send you the link later i would love that i love japanese music Desert Island album, video game music. Probably uh, Final Fantasy X. Solid choice. Uh, Generally speaking, what's something that's been inspiring you lately? 
like I've been reading a lot more books recently. Make It Stick, where I learned about the art of science of learning. One of my favorite things to read and reread over and over again. Victor Wooten's music lesson, a little little hippy dippy, but lots of good advice in there. But also, I've got a couple books on like uh, counterpoint that I've just started. Also, I love um, the Japanese author Haruki Murakami a lot, and that's just like it's a good like non music, just fiction, just brain blast stuff. I love it. That's really cool. I'll definitely check those out. Put links to those books in the uh, in the show notes. If you weren't doing smart game piano or teaching piano, what do you think you'd be doing? Or I'll just say this. If you weren't in music, what, what do you think you'd be doing? If I weren't in music? Well, in high school, I wanted to be a coroner, but then I was bad at chemistry. Um, so I think I'd be doing something with animals, um, either helping out a shelter or becoming a vet. Um, I, I love animals a lot, so I'd be doing something with that. Any games you're currently playing or into right now? Um, Animal Crossing New Horizons, um, like most people. Um, I just got back into Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, probably one of my favorite games. Um, yeah, those are the two big ones right now. Who would win in a fight? Luigi or the villager from Animal Crossing? The villager. And, and explain your work, of course. Explain your logic. Look at how many tools like the villagers got. I played That's Luigi's true. Mansion 3 recently. That dude, he ain't got no jump. He ain't got no mad hops. He's using a vacuum. Like That's right. Villager's got an axe, first of all. So he could straight up go Jack Torrance from The Shining on him. <laughs> He's got a net. He's got a shovel to bury the body. So I, I completely... Yeah, you're right. I should have <laughs> th- thought that through. The Animal Crossing <laughs> Villager's a clear winner. Okay, so Sydney, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. If you would, tell the people listening here where they can find out about you, where they can hear your music, learn more about Smart Game Piano. So uh, you can find me mainly on my website, smartgamepiano.com. That is where I supply all of my tutorials and all of my sheet music for every single song that I arrange and teach there. Um, I'm also very active on YouTube. That's where the previews for all the tutorials are. Instagram, where I do inspirational posts to get people to practicing piano because that's my evil plan. Definitely check that out. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. Sydney, thank you so much for joining. Hopefully I'll see you at the next VGM con. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Composer Code. I really hope it was helpful or at least entertaining. I have over 20 other in-depth interviews with game composers you can listen to right now for free at ComposerCode.com. So definitely check those out. There you'll also find some helpful articles and resources and videos and blog posts all about making music for games. If you want to help offset some of the hosting costs of keeping Composer Code online, consider throwing me a buck or two at patreon.com slash composer code. I would very much appreciate it. Doing so also helps me justify putting in more time to make the show the best it can be. So links for everything I've mentioned in this episode will be in the description. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Music